Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. You know the rules. If you want to say something, grab this microphone, please. Uh, you should have an outline, this kind of skeleton outline of where, where we intend to go tonight. Um, and I'm reminded that Luke is the largest book in the New Testament. So, oh, it's the largest book in the New Testament. Luke is the largest book in the New Testament. Um, and uh, that'll explain why I slice some things out, okay? Um, otherwise, who knows how long? I don't know how long we're going to be here anyway. <laughs> so, but, but there, there's no way to, anyway, so, was, and I'll try to point those out as, as we, we'll wave as we go by. We'll just kind of wave as we go by. And if we need to go back and spend some time there, well, why well, we will, okay? Uh, by way of introduction tonight, uh, we had uh, the, the childhood of Jesus is really what we've just finished uh, looking at. Well, we saw two major areas of the childhood of Jesus. One was his infancy, and then we get a glimpse of him at 12 years old in the temple. And, uh, and by, by the way, when he's 12 years old, he starts to, starts, I don't know uh, what that would mean. He realizes who he is. And, and so uh, he, he's finding out who he is, and of course he, he says, I, I, didn't you know I was to be in my father's house? So he's not, he, he's starting to realize who he is and where he ought to be. Well, if you settle who you are, then you probably know where you ought to be. And, and so uh, he's, he's starting to uh, realize that. Uh, he, and, and this must have really set him off. And, but but it does, he, he doesn't like uh, get proud that, of who he is. He, 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 if, if the, the immediate uh, phrase after that, he went home and his parents was obedient to them. So, so you know, he, do, he, he doesn't get, like, built up on the inside about who he is and, and, that, and that kind of thing. So uh, we, 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 we kind of got that, I shouldn't say out of the way, but we, 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 we kind of covered that uh, with Luke, okay? Now, we will do... Uh, we, we will wave at the genealogy as we go by tonight, okay? And I think everybody understands that I'm not going to read the genealogy to you. <laughs> we have to call in some interpreters for that, you know. So, all right. Uh, okay. But we will go to activity, that, uh, the, the activity tonight of, of John the Baptist to start with, and then uh, the activity of Jesus uh, being baptized, um, baptized tonight, okay? So uh, we'll actually start with the third chapter, verse 7. Now, the first six verses of the third chapter is simply dating 
when this is happening, okay, about uh, the uh, governor of the Providence, and, uh, but he gives no less than six ways that you can date when uh, John the Baptist was started his preaching. And so it would be easily verified. Although we don't have a lot of historians uh, during that time, I think Josephus is probably uh, the, the most popular one and, and probably has more, more to say that, than other people that we, that we know of and more trustworthy. Um, but, there, but there's not a lot other than the Bible record. And that's when, he, when, when people say, yo, you can't trust the Bible, listen. There is more facts behind the life of Jesus than there is the Caesars in Rome. I just, I, I hope you, I've said that before, and just get that down. There's only about four sources that we got of Caesars. I mean, reliable historical sources, okay? And there's a lot more uh, to Jesus, eyewitnesses and that kind of thing. Okay, so uh, we'll start with verse 7 because now we've already uh, listed those uh, current historical people so that you could date it if, if, if you wanted to. <clears throat> John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him. This is probably not a good lesson on pastoral work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, but this is, now look, this is John the Baptist, okay? You just... You just kind of get used to that, okay? If you're going to have lunch with somebody, take Jesus, not John the Baptist, okay? He's, he's not going to be a fun partner uh, to discuss with, okay? And the grasshoppers and the wild honey, leave that on the side, okay? Jesus will eat with you and drink with you. So he, he So anyway... But he said, you brood of vipers. <laughs> I'm guessing. There must have been some Pharisees or some folks in there. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? See, they know something's up. Something's coming. And you better get ready for it. Okay. Uh, produce fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. I don't know what your DNA is. But yeah, it, it's only so important. It's, it's not, it, that's not going to get you any weight there with God, Okay. Uh, and the people he's talking to think that because they have the Abraham DNA in them, that they're somehow better than other people. And you'll and you've probably met people like that. You know, I I told you I'm my daughter and son-in-law had a friend from London and we was with them some evening or something. I can't remember what it was. And I asked him, hey, what's that queen about anyway? You know, what's that about? Well, we, we fought a revolutionary war over that, you know? 
and what we, yeah. And, <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm not. It's so easy for me to get into that, Jerry, okay? I, I know I just, and I stepped in it, okay? I did it. But, but, but in America, uh, it, your, your DNA is not going to get you very far, okay? Uh, or it shouldn't, put it that way. It shouldn't. And now uh, that's what, what uh, John's uh, telling them. Uh, you, th- you think it's fabulous. You think it's fabulous, uh, but uh, God can do that out of these regular stones around here. So, you know, it, it's, it's not all that great a job, all right? The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, this is pretty rough talk here. And usually, when you're talking to people like this group here, our group here, usually there's plenty of guilt to go around. <laughs> Thank you. They're just, and, and it's just like floating guilt. Am I right? Okay. For yourself, you know. So when you start turning up on that guilt side, well, you go, you're going to hit everybody there. Everybody's going to get hit, you know. So, uh, but, but he says that you should bring forth fruit of repentance. Just Sunday morning in worship service is not going to get it. <laughs> there ought to be something going on in your life that produces it. A good fruit, I'm talking about. Good fruit. And there will be a fruit inspector. How many of you know that uh, when, when Jesus checked the, the fig tree out? Love that story in Mark. It, it's brutal. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal, but it's a, it's a great story. And then, uh, well, I better stay with Luke here. Okay, uh, so uh, what should we do then? Is, is the, the people say, well, okay, what, what should we do? And boy, I can't tell you the number of times I asked God that. I, I wanted a, some kind of a rule book. I didn't get one, but I wanted one. And I, I wanted God to tell me, you know, this, this, and this, and this. And uh, usually it doesn't turn. But now John, he'll, he'll tell you. You asked the question, the crowd answered, uh, anyone who has two church should share with the one who has none. That's a good idea. We, we try to teach kids early on, and they should learn. There are other people in their world besides their mom and daddy, and that they should learn to share with that person. That's a, that's a good thing. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors now. He's really going to preach it now. Yeah, he said, you know, tax collectors uh, came to be a teacher. What should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to. So he, he's, he's not really coming against the, the Roman government as many Jews did. He's just saying you 
you ought to curb yourself uh, from your greed and don't try to collect more. But the, but the going way at that time was you collect all you can and you get to keep what's not required. And so they would a lot of times line their own pockets like that. Um, I think uh, he told it. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. So it's pretty straightforward now. You, you, you ask what you can do, do this. And so he, he gives them something to do. All right? And it's all sound pretty good to you, right? All right. Let's go to our next <clears throat> The people were waiting expectantly. We're all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. Now, this you are to get. In every one of the Gospels, it goes over this pretty heavily because it was a common mistake to confuse John and Jesus. And what we want to do is now, uh, I'll just tell you ahead of time, what Luke wants to do now is have John receding and Jesus coming up. Okay, and this, this is what the, the movement you're supposed to get from this point on now is John is receding and Jesus is coming, coming up. Okay. Uh, so uh, Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, some people are confusing John with the Messiah. Uh, some people are wondering, is he the Messiah? John answered them, I baptize you with water. But the one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. Wow. Now, that makes all the difference. What's John baptizing with? Yes, he's baptizing with water. That's what he's doing. He's baptizing you with water. There's one coming that's more powerful than he is. And that, that one coming, of course, is uh, Jesus Christ. Um, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor. How many of you know where the threshing floor is? I actually know what that is. That's weird that you know that. But it, but it was just a really hard, fl uh, fl uh, flat place, and you would bring sheaves. You know what sheave is? That old song, bringing in the sheaves. Well, those people actually did bring sheaves in, and it's a it's a it's a bundle of of wheat, and you 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 beat the wheat out of that. On the threshing floor, so you have a pile of wheat and chaff, and then you take the fork and you throw the whole bunch up in the air, and the wind will take the shaft out, and the grain will fall, and that's what you make your bread out of, okay? They all knew this. They probably all done it, a bunch. And, and so they understood exactly uh, what this meant, that there's going to be a separation. And... Uh, 
And the fork is already in there. Okay? And clear the threshing floor uh, and the wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. That's what, that's what John and And this is called what? Good news. It's tough news, but it's good news, okay? And some, some of the things that we think are tougher are really good for us. Have you noticed how you really stay away from what you need? I even read, it hasn't been long ago, I read that the thing you want the most is hidden somewhere in what you hate or something of that nature. That's close. Okay. Uh, does that take us through to our 18? Does that take us? Yeah. Uh, that's John, baptism of repentance. The crowds came to him. Remember? Okay. Uh, what are they to do? He tells them. Um, it gives a condition of the people, and he points to Jesus Christ. Make sure, you, make sure you get that down. And he's an effective preacher. How do we know he's effective? That's one reason. And there's a bunch of people that hate him. <laughs> Just because you're not liked doesn't mean you're in, not in the right spot. And it may, it may be just what you need. You know, it, it may be a reflection that you hit a nerve. Well, we're going to hit a nerve here, okay? But he was an effective preacher. Boy, it's hard to judge that. I, seriously, it's hard to judge that. You, you can only do that for yourself, you know, being an effective preacher. Um, but people were responding Good, bad, and ugly, but they were responding. Okay, let's go to our next one. Uh, uh, John shut up in the prison. <laughs> they said, we got to shut him up, and so they put him in prison. But you know what I found? That the truth can never be locked up. And that, I actually got that out of... Uh, the, the book of Acts, I think it's chapter 16, where uh, Paul and Silas are thrown into the prison, uh, and they close them up and lock them and put them in, in stocks and irons and, and chains and everything they had, and God sends an earthquake and opens it up. Uh, they tried to shut up the truth, but the truth always has a way of breaking forth. And it has a way of coming out. So don't get too nervous about, you know, that you've you got to be the great preserver of truth. No. Truth is like a diamond. No, no matter how much you heat it, and no, no matter how much pressure you put under it, it, guess what? It remains a diamond. And you don't have to worry about it, okay? Um, but uh, this, is, this is there, so they're going to put him... But, but when John rebuked Herod, the patriarch, uh, because of his marriage to Herodias, and there was other reasons, 
there was other reasons, but that was that was one of them. He, his brother's wife, it's like you, you say, John said, you can't do that. <laughs> That's what he said. You can't. Yeah, but they did it anyway. So, uh, and all the other evil things he had done. Here I'd added this to them all, and he locked him up into prison. Now, what's the message again? John is being kept aside. And what? Jesus is coming up. And all the gospel writers do this. They want us to know for sure that John preached, but he receded and Jesus came forth. Okay? Okay. Because they, oh, and why are they mad at him? Oh, sometimes we say, oh, they just didn't understand. Oh, no, they did understand. That's the problem. <laughs> you're, you're going to see that a little later. And, uh, you know, I'm just chomping at the bit to get to that first sermon of Jesus. That's not way over. That's over there in chapter 4, I know. But we're not going to get there tonight. Uh, but I'm, I just want to get to that first sermon, okay? And uh, th that was the problem. They understood Jesus, okay? Uh, and he pointed to specifically uh, the sin. I know I always try to be real general about that. <laughs> uh, but, but not John. He just homed right in and said, now this is the problem. And he, and he, hit, he struck a nerve every time. Yeah. Of course, God was leading him. And God was uh, calling him onward. Okay? All right. I think we go to the baptism. Yeah, baptism of Jesus now. <clears throat> When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And you know all, at least me, and theologians have been arguing, have, have never settled on why Jesus was baptized. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't. He didn't need to repent. Right? I mean, we, we know. I'm sorry? Yeah. yeah. But he was. And the best I can come up with, just my thinking, is that he wanted to experience everything as we do, but was without sin. Okay? But... Uh, Again, uh, I'm guessing that we don't have the reason. We have the baptism, but we don't have the reason why he's being baptized. A good example I think we had down here. They want you on the phone. Oh, never mind. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so there it is, okay. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. Now, how did they know heaven opened? I don't know. They knew. A portal and a glimpse of heaven. Uh, 
They, how they knew that, I do not know. Heaven was so, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Wow. Now we know something's really going on here. Something very new, something that didn't ever happen before is going on here. And they are witnesses to it. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. I cannot think of a person that would not like to hear that message from their father. Men, if you've never said anything like that to your son, you make sure you do. I don't care if you have to practice it. If God says that to his son, you need to say that to your son. And they want to hear that more than anything else in the world. And Jesus needed to hear this from God himself, his father. And you need to pass that on to other people. And, uh, well, let that be. And what does he say? He claims him as his own. This is my son. This is mine. And that's important for you. You, you read about this all the time, fathers that do not claim their children. What a shame. What a shameful sight. Shameful sight for a man not to claim his own child. I'm sorry? Pathetic. Yes, it is. It's pathetic. One of the biggest problems we have in America today is that. <coughs> Daryl. Sure. Uh, the thing about the baptism is. It's correlated with the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. They had to go through the Red Sea, through the water. You know, in Hosea, the scripture uh, says that out of Egypt I have called my son. And, of course, that's applied to Jesus also. But right after he comes out of the water, Jesus comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes in. Where does he go? Into the wilderness for 40 days. Oh, yeah. Where did Israel go after the Red Sea? Into the wilderness for 40 years. So he is leading Israel, just like Moses did, out of slavery. Amen. So. Good. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Whom I love. Make sure you say that. I love you. God says this. We need to. We need to take him on as a, as a representative of a, what a great father would be and to practice that. I love you. And what? I am pleased with you. I am pleased with you. You need to practice that. And you need to say that. Uh, especially for your children. They need to hear that. Sure, you bet you. 
So that verse there where it says that you are my son whom I love, it is actually him calling out Jesus' identity, his acceptance, and his approval. Yes. All in one, one spot. You are my son, identity, whom I love, acceptance, and I'm well-pleased, approval. Amen. Amen. Now, I didn't write this down. I didn't look this up ahead of time, but, but now we got this up. Uh, here at the beginning now, and we'll, we'll come, we're going to come back to, and talk about the beginning, okay? Here at the beginning of his ministry, uh, we have God speaking to him. And God spoke to him on the Mount of Transfiguration. And I think there's another place, too, that I'm, I'm forgetting, okay? But it's important, and in, in the Mount of Transfiguration is getting him ready to, to face the cross. Yeah, he's right there, right there at the cross. Here, he's uh, ready to face his ministry here. And so he, he gets this word from God because this is what he needs uh, to, to go into uh, this uh, ministry. Okay, so now Jesus, uh, yeah, let's go back to the other one. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought of Joseph of him. Now, that is to get us ready for uh, the genealogy, okay, which, which we're uh, not going to read, okay? Uh, also, why Jesus waited till he was 30 years old to begin, we don't have a definite reason why. Some people have said uh, that it's because he was the oldest son that he had to make sure the family, and Joseph was gone by this time, that he had to make sure that the family was on uh, some kind of economic footing uh, before he goes. I, I, think there, I think there might be other reasons, okay, uh, but that's the reason. But here's what triggers my imagination. We, we know he's right at 30 years old here, okay? Here's what triggers my imagination. I wonder what the day was like that he went into the carpenter's shop and said, I'm going to lay these tools down, and I'm going to go. I wonder what that was like. Did you ever have some of a calling like that? Yes, you listen. What a what a day that was. What a day that was. If you if you could have been there for that moment just to see that. Wow. I can I, I tried to imagine that, that. That one day he got up like other days and maybe had his breakfast and talked with his brothers and sisters and his mama and and then oh he said, I gotta go. Well, what do you mean you gotta go? I got to go. I got something to do. You might not understand. You don't understand. But I got something to do. What a day that was. What a day that was. I hope you have a day like that. 
I hope you have a day like that, which changes everything for you. Just changes everything. Where you have something to do. And as much as we want people to understand, they can't. They can't do that. Okay? Bad news. They can't. They can't do that. And now begins the genealogy of Jesus. Now, you have two genealogies of Jesus. You've got Matthew gives one, Luke gives another, uh, and uh, they're, they're, entirely, they're entirely different. I know they, that's just the way they are. Um, Matthew even has four women in his genealogy. I don't. <laughs> I, I didn't pick that up, Val. Val, what was that? I said everybody does. Oh, yeah. But I mean, he actually writes it down. He, he, I, 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 I did some teaching something night on the women of the genealogy. I can't. I, I think I did it here at this church. Okay, and uh, and and there's and there's four of them. Not counting Mary now, okay? That's a different situation, okay? Not counting Mary. There's four of them mentioned. Tamar is one of them. And I tell you, if you, if you don't know these stories, huh? Oh, I was going to say, if you don't know these stories now, uh, you're, you're deprived, okay? You, you, okay? Tamar, Rahab, you're writing these down? You need to write these down. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and the mother of Solomon. He wouldn't even write her name down. <laughs> he wouldn't, Bathsheba. He would not write her name down. He said, uh, I think it's the wife of Uriah or the mother of, 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 of Solomon. I'm, I forget how. He, said, he wouldn't even write her name. He wouldn't even write her name. I, why, why did he bring her up? I don't know, but he did. But that'd be fine, okay. Now, uh, Luke, in his genealogy, he goes all the way back to Adam. Uh, while uh, Matthew goes just to Abraham. Because Matthew is just considered uh, concerned with the Jews. And so uh, he goes back to their Jewish roots. Luke is concerned with the entire world and the general gospel, and so he goes all the way back to Adam. But the unique thing that he does is he calls Adam the son of God. Okay? I, I, I thought that was terribly unique for him to do that. Uh, I started to look some of that up, but I didn't run that down too far. Okay? Okay. Uh, Jesus starts at 30 years old, which we talked about. Um, okay. We have the lineage of Jesus, which we, we, we talked about. Uh, I didn't even count the generations that that was, how many generations that were in there. Um, but, but you have a record in your Bible, too. I mean, you... There's 41. Good job! There's 42, according to Luke, 
according to Matthew. Okay, so so we don't, he, he's still got to go back further. Okay, all right. Excellent, excellent. Okay. Uh, okay, the temptation of Jesus. Um, Uh, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. <clears throat> I got bad news for you. If you have a big job to do, if you get a calling, you'll get a big temptation right there at the start. This is the nature of how the world works. Now, Jesus, we have it, uh, ex we have it explained there, and we're going we're gonna to work on that uh, some too. But it is, it is the nature of. Do we have any Star Wars fans in here? I'm a Star Wars fan. Oh boy, did I! I was a Trekkie. I I love them stories. They spoke to me. Yeah, they they spoke to me. Yeah. When, when Luke gets the call to go on the mission, the first place that he, it, they call it the jumping off place, the first place he goes is to the tavern in town, and there's a big ruckus in the tavern in town. You've got to survive it. We're to cut the guy's arm off. That's a picture that's been in many types of literature and that kind of thing. But the, but the point is, if you get a calling... There, it's, it's almost like, here, here's the way I say it. When, when you get a calling to do something, okay, when you get that call, all of a sudden, every demon in hell knows your first name. Oh, yeah, they, they know who you are, and, and they are there to pester you until you can pass the test. And uh, what we'll call this, we'll call this boot camp. Because if, if you can't get out of boot camp, you have no business in the war. You get it? So you got to get out of boot camp. That's the first thing you do. When I, when I was just a kid, you know, I was, uh, this is shortly after World War II. I, I'm starting to where I remember things, okay? And some of my dad's friends would tell war stories. And I loved listening to them. I'm just this little mindless kid running around. Nobody paid any attention to me, what I was doing. But I was listening. I'll tell you one, okay? There's Gerald Smith. And there's a really tough family there in East St. Louis. Even for East St. Louis, this was a tough family. I mean, they were tough. I don't want to go any more than that, but they, they, were, they were tough. And he was, he was an army. You'll enjoy this. I haven't told it before here. I love the story. So I'm listening to him. He said, them, <coughs> them, them guys, they go on them runs. Well, when they was in boot camp, they go on them runs, and them, some of them guys would lay out. And then when they come back by, they'd join in and run in there. And they thought they was putting it on for somebody. They thought they was getting away with something. He said, but when they hit that water, that waist-deep water, they were slow and easy targets. You've got to be able to get out of boot camp. And that's the way Jesus is. He's going to go right to boot camp. 
And he's got to be able to get out of boot camp before you go on. And sometimes your trials are just that. It's just to see if you can handle them because you, if you can't handle this one, you can't handle the next one. And you got to be able to, you got to be able to handle this, okay? And so there he goes. And where's he going? He's going into the wilderness. That's, that's uh, what he's going to, desert place. Some writers have written about that experience as, as a place where God can neither be seen nor felt. And you have to pass that test. I don't know if some of you have had that dark night of the soul or, or not, but you have to stand that test. Yeah, thank you. Me too. And uh, nothing can take the place. I'm telling you, nothing except God. You just, you just learn that. Even though he, he's like he can't hear you or, 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 or nothing, but you, but you know that's the only hope. You'd be like Simon Peter when, he, when, when Jesus asked, will you also go away? And he, he said, to whom would we turn? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Where, there, when you realize there actually is no place to go, you just shoulder this and this is your job and this is what you do. And Jesus is going to learn that. He's going to learn that. He doesn't come equipped with that. He has to learn it. And Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, they point that out specifically that he learned obedience. He learned it. And why? Because he's just like us. Or we're trying to be like him. I get that. Okay. Uh, where for 40 days he would be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during this time, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Well, yeah, yeah. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. They, they, they look like little loaves of bread laying all over the place. And said, so you, you can imagine that... Uh, that uh, Bread after 40 days would, uh, Jesus answered, it is written, man should not live by bread alone. Amen. And you do not. You need more than three squares a day to live. Now, you might need to eat your three squares a day for a while, and that's all you get till you heal up and get better. But you need more than nourishment to live. Joan's always getting me out to social inter interaction. She said, that's what you need. You need to have some life in you. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. And so, and we guys, what will we? We'll sit, and we'll sit in the house and watch TV or do some other boring something. Hey, man. Do you know that men that are married live much longer than men who are not married? I, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It's true. Yes, it is. Yeah. I call it the nag factor. The nag factor. The nag factor. Yeah, you got the nag factor. Huh? Yeah, exactly. That's, ex that's exactly. No, hey. 
I'm with you. I'm with you on that. She'll get me to take my medicine. She'll get, she'll get me to take my medicine. And she gets me out of them social engagements. You know. But, but, but we don't, we, we need, and, and which challenged me again whenever I retired, is because I, I oh yeah, thank, thank for the powers that be that I get to do this, okay? Um, because you need to have something meaningful to do. When we did the vision board, I said, you need to have something that's exciting enough to get you up in the morning and get you out of bed. If it's not that exciting to you, you got the wrong goals. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And I celebrate that fact. Okay? Yeah, okay. G and G by the way, Jesus didn't have that trouble. And what we know of. Okay? But but there he is now. And, and I'm sorry, I missed that. Oh, that was good. That was really good. That was really good. All right. Worship the Lord your God and serve. Uh, let me see. Uh, okay, we must finish the other one. Okay, the, the devil let him, uh, man doesn't live by bread alone. Okay. Uh, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant, the kingdoms of the world. Now, this sounds a little puffed up to me. I'm talking about the devil's a little puffed up here, I think. I, anyway, I don't know. All right, and, and, he, and he said to him, I will give you all authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you wish me, I, it will be yours. Jesus answered, it is written. Worship the Lord your God, serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. Uh, so now the other one's a power trip. And, and that, that's very attractive to humans. Yeah, to, to uh, uh, the, the power trip, okay? Uh, and Jesus needed to face that. And, and, to over, and to overcome that. And then the next one is to, to take him to the temple and uh, take him up. Uh, and this would be something like uh, beco he'd become a trickster or a magic worker uh, or like a Houdini or something like that. Um, to, you know, and, and throw yourself down from, from here. Okay? I have a feeling too he, no, God wouldn't turn gravity off for him either. So it works, it works for, for him the same as it works for other people. Okay, let's go to the next slide. We've got another slide coming up. Don't we? Uh, for it is written, he will command the angels concerning you to guard you carefully. Uh, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Of course, strike your foot against the stone is represent that you won't be hurt. You know, your foot. God will take care of you. You're, you're a special person, and he'll take care of you. Well, don't do that, okay? 
don't do that. Uh, Jesus uh, answered, uh, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all these temptings, he left him until an opportune time. And, of course, uh, there are going to be other times in which Jesus can be tempted and uh, uh, Jesus uh, uh, abused. Um, uh, so so he doesn't have to do it all here because he's not making any headway. See, that's the thing about it. Uh, the devil will leave you alone if, if, if there's not a chance that you'll give in. Somebody said, well, how long will temptation last? I can tell you exactly how long temptation lasts. As long as there's a possibility for you to give in. When that is gone, it, here, uh, on Sunday morning, and for years I've been like this, I'm not tempted not to go to church. I'm not tempted. Because that decision was already made and has been made and has been verified time and time again. There's no, there's no, there can be no temptation there. If you, if you happen to build a rock fence in my front yard to keep me from going, I'd probably climb over something. It'd just be something there and, and it would have to be traversed and I would traverse it. Okay, okay you, but you get the idea. So Jesus, when he gets to a certain point, that was, well, he just gives up because there's no hope. He'll go to greener pastures where he might get something of that nature. Okay? Okay. Is that, I think that is the end. Yeah. Is that the end? Yeah, that's the end. That's the end for tonight. Now, next week, we get to do his first sermon. I guarantee you will love it. Old Testament verse and, and the great preacher Jesus not only will preach a sermon on that text, he then will illustrate it. If you read ahead, it will be very helpful for you, okay? Preach the sermon, and then he will illustrate it a little later. Things go good, things go bad. Okay? You good? All right. Lord, we thank you for your word, but we thank you most of all for Jesus who ran such a beautiful course and teaches us so much on how to live our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Amen. Good job, Mary. Okay. Thank mm -hmm. you.